Welcome to Rise Above the Ashes podcast, where we break down the art of failure and learn why multiple failures equals true success if you just don't give up. In this podcast, we go deep with our guests to find out how they overcome some of the greatest obstacles in their lives and what makes them tick as a human being. Learn here how you can turn your failures into true success. Welcome to Rise Above the Ashes podcast, where we break down the art of failure and learn why multiple failures equals true success if you just don't give up. In this podcast, we go deep with our guests to find out how they overcome some of the greatest obstacles in their lives and what makes them tick as a human being. Learn here how you can turn failures into your true success. In this episode, I have Jim Fabre of Stellar Selections, which is a wine brokerage company that specializes in representing 20 wineries and specifically with Italian wines. Jim Favre is a good friend of mine. We live in the same neighborhood currently. Been an awesome uh, friend for the last four years. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing well this morning. Thank you for having me. So how's your day this morning? The day is going well. It's off to a great start. Good, good, good. I wanted to, I wanted to bring you in because I feel like you have an interesting story. I don't know a lot, but I am going to have some self-discovery here. So this will be a little bit of research, but a little bit of discovery in this conversation. How do you feel about that? I'm good with that and would love to share. Okay, okay. So tell me about Stellar Selections. I feel like uh, we're going we're we're gonna to bounce around in, in chronology. Um, my show is about how you make your failures into you know, evolving into your true success. But uh, I want to tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do and where you came from. But let's start with who you are and what you're doing right now. Okay, well, Stellar Selections, uh, like you said, is a wine brokerage company, and some people have a problem understanding what that actually is. Right. It it is where I am a representative of a winery, and I represent a number of wineries. So, for example, say you have a winery in Oregon, and it's you and your wife and your two kids. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't afford to have someone work the southeast. And right. that's, I work the Southeast. I do Alabama, Tennessee, North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia. So what I do is I represent their wineries to the distributors. So I don't go out and sell to the grocery store, the restaurant, the package store. Mm-hmm. I sell to the distributors. Okay. And then they take it out and uh, sell it to those uh, entities, the restaurants, bars, so forth and so on. So I am acting as a winery representative, and then I get paid by what gets shipped to the distributor. Okay. Okay. So you are representing the wineries directly. Yes. Like a manufacturer's rep, if you will. That's really what it is. So you're kind of like a real estate agent in a sense, except there's two middlemen between the the creator or the the winery and and the the purchaser, the buyer. So you represent these these wineries and... uh, how, how does that, how, what's the logistics like on a, a simplified manner, if you don't mind me asking? Sure. Well, uh, the, wine, the wine is harvested usually in the, in the fall, mm-hmm. um, well, always in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's bottled and aged there at the winery. And then um, that's up to the winery how long they want to age it or uh, put it in barrel or put it in stainless steel. And when I, when I say that, uh, stainless steel tanks are just, they're a very efficient way to make wine without any influence at all. So it tastes just like you picked it off the vine. Mm. When you age it in a barrel, it adds a flavor. Right. So think of it like making spaghetti sauce. 
and you add, you get spaghetti sauce and you add, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, parsley mm. or some other flavor agent. That's what it does. It adds flavor. Too much of that and you don't taste the tomato sauce anymore. You don't taste the wine more. Too right. much oak, it can be overpowering. So that's where the artistry in winemaking comes. Right. How long do you leave in the wood? What kind of wood do you use? Do you mm. use French oak? Do you use American oak? They all impart different flavors and make a different product out of the wine. And that's incredible. Um, so what? Let, let's talk about your your career. So you're you're the distributor. No, 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 no. You said yeah. You said you're the broker. Broker. Yeah. The broker. You are the broker, and you're representing what? 20, 20 wineries. Twenty wineries. Okay. Yeah. Are most of them Italian? Like I said earlier. No, they're from all over the world. Actually, okay. uh, I have a career that. I did 20 years uh, with two different Italian wine import companies. So I've got a lot of Italian influence in my background okay. as far as wine goes. Well, your wife is Italian too, And right? my wife is part <laughs> Italian too. That always helps. I can't even, I can't even say your last name. I just, I just give up. <laughs> yes, it has many, many syllables in it. Right. But uh, yeah, so I'm Italian by marriage, I guess. <laughs> right. Even though I'm French-Irish. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> okay. So... Um, um, we were talking about the, uh, oh, the Italian. So the portfolio has um, got a little bit of Chilean wine. I've got, uh, I represent uh, California, Oregon. I've got one from, uh, I've got one from France, a couple from Italy. Okay. Um, and usually I try to go to Vinidly every year, which is a huge trade show in Verona. And to put it in perspective, think of 11 Walmarts. Mm-hmm. And every building is a separate region. It's an amazing show and it's open to the public. So if put that on your bucket list of things to go if you're a wine lover. Yeah. Well, I watch you on Facebook and I see you traveling the world and you're, you're sipping on wine and you're having really awesome culinary dishes. And I get a little jealous. I, I kind of want to jump in a, a suitcase with you and travel. It looks like you're having a blast doing what you do. Is, is that the case? But it, is, it, it still is a job. Yeah. I mean, you're still accountable to people. Right. People still yell at you, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like any work. Right. But at the end of the day, you do get a nice glass of wine and really can have some amazing meals because sometimes you work with some of the best chefs in the country or the world, or depending on what country you're in. And uh, they're amazing, creative people. And we try to match our wines with their dishes. So it really is a, uh, a pleasure to work with these kind of guys. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I learned about food. I don't know if this is a, if I should answer the, or you should answer this direct question. You can say no. You don't want to answer it if you don't want to. But what's your favorite winery that you're representing now? <laughs> I would say that probably uh, I think the one that has great potential that I really like, and I have a number that I lo- love. It's it's like asking you which is your favorite child. <laughs> right. You love them all for different reasons. Right, right. Um, but uh, Bidon Winery in Oregon mm-hmm. is making some awesome Pinot Noir. Uh, mm. he's, he's very good. Cornerstone Cellars in Napa has some amazing Cabernet. Cabernet Franc is delicious. Uh, their Sauvignon Blanc, I think, is stellar. And um, I, I mean, there's an, a, a number of other good ones I've got, but you know, those are two that really kind of stand out. Okay, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's go backwards in the chronology here. Um, you went to school at the University of Cincinnati and you studied marketing and advertising. What changed you? Why did you steer away from that kind of uh, work or, 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 or whatnot to, and, and led you into the wine industry? What was the, what was the split difference? Sure. What was the change there? 
Well, it was it was an interesting change. Uh, my dad owned an advertising agency in Cincinnati. Okay. And uh, that's what I kind of led my uh, education to go in that direction. Well, at that at the time, I want to say it was the mid to late seventies. The uh, economy tanked, mm-hmm. and uh, his business went by the wayside. So, kind of had to go up with a plan B. And um, I was dating a girl at that time whose father worked at a wine warehouse yeah. and I needed a job. So I was uh, going in, filling orders at night uh, and I would go and uh, uh, or let me roll back a little bit. Mm-hmm. The first time I went to a wine warehouse, so it was a major distributor in Ohio, in Cincinnati, uh, I was kind of floored by all these Pallets and pallets of wine stacked three high, uh, you know, in a it's something the size of you know half a football field. Right. Uh, it was overwhelming, and I thought this is pretty cool. <laughs> and yeah. the cool thing about it was, is um, I got hired on. Well, I applied when I was seventeen. I had to be eighteen by law, so it had to wait a week till I turned eighteen. Wow! And then I started my job. Oh, at man. Uh, Heidelberg Distributing up in Cincinnati, uh, so that was uh, and I you know working nights and then I would go to UC during the day, mm-hmm. so I kind of did night shift and day at school. Yeah, yeah, okay. Well, tell me a little bit about your early life, uh, Jim. So, uh, like I said, I grew up in Cincinnati, and uh, you know thought I would go into my dad's business and went to a, a good Catholic school, Purcell High School in Cincinnati. And uh, then went on to University of Cincinnati and um, worked on my associate degree, tried to get a two-year degree there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, uh, during that time, I got the company I worked for, Heidelberg, closed their office right. in Monroe and then separated, so I got laid off. So it was kind of tough. I had just gotten my first apartment, right. just bought a car. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm 23 years old and I'm like, Wow, man. So I got to figure things out. And uh, so... Couldn't run back home to mom and dad? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, and it was tough uh, because, uh, you know, my dad, you know, he was just doing whatever jobs he could. So I kind of had to support myself. Okay. And he just lost everything recently. Yeah. I mean, beforehand. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, you know, at that time, I, I had a son when I was 19. Okay. So I was a kid having a kid <laughs> and I love my son to death. Uh, he's, he's a beautiful person. And, uh, you know, it just like, these are things I had to overcome and figure out at a young age. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's one of those things that, you know, in life you, you have to, you know, you're just kind of pressed against the wall and you got to just work through it. Right. And, yeah. you know, there's two options. You can bail or you can work through it. And I chose to work through it. Right, right. So I got my associate degree at UC, and then I transferred down to University of Louisiana Lafayette, mm-hmm. which is at that time, uh, you know, uh, Southwest Louisiana. It's not okay. anymore. And got my uh, four-year degree there. But in between there, I had taken two or three years off working wholesale wine and loading trucks at night, and, uh, routing trucks, and mm-hmm. um, really starting to learn the wine business. How many years did it take you to feel like you actually learn the wine business? Wow. <laughs> I'm sure you're still learning um, all these years yeah. later, but... 
I think that's, and that's one of the beauty, beautiful things about the wine business. You never know it all. Right. One of the uh, red flags I see anyone that considers themselves a wine expert, right. I get very hesitant about because at what point do you know it all? Right. It changes constantly. Every yeah. vintage is different. Yeah. Now, there are people who study to be sommeliers, and I've never done that. Uh, you think they know it all? They, they know a lot, and they really <laughs> study very, very hard. But there's a difference between being a sommelier and being a wine salesperson. Right. You can be very, very wine knowledgeable, uh, or just, you know, facts, you know, bleed out of your head. Okay. But, you know, when you're in sales, I don't care if you're selling houses, headphones, shoelaces, it's a different thing. And sometimes uh, in our business, we get people who are very, very knowledgeable in wine, but very ignorant about selling to people. And right. you kind of have to train them. Says, I would rather hire a good salesperson yeah. and teach him about wine right. than you know, have a, a, a wine, so-called wine expert come to me and right. try to sell because they're two different skills. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I can only imagine. Um, are you are you after all these years still enjoying your work? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Okay. It's still it's a very pleasurable work, and I think part of it is because you do continually learn. Right. Every year, every vintage, every winery, every wine, even wine itself changes. It's like kind of a living organism. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you have a two thousand five Cabernet, well, it's going to taste different next year than it will this year than it did. Three years ago, yeah. I think one of the other things with wine is that it, you think about it, it's kind of like a time machine. It's one of the few ways you can step back in time and taste that time. Right. You know, if you taste a 1979 Cabernet from California, you're kind of actually experiencing something from 1979 mm. uh, that you can share with somebody. And that's, you know, one of the beauties of wine is sharing. Right. Uh, the beauty of it, yeah, yeah, like going back in time and into history. That's, I mean, you can take you can take the uh, if if there's still any around, you can take you know Thomas Jefferson's hidden hidden mm-hmm. wine or stolen wine or whatever, and take a sip of it. You could taste what he was tasting back in the day. Exactly. Um, well, so uh, this this I've got two questions here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to ask you throughout your life. Actually, let's start off with work. Throughout your work, so this this uh, this, this podcast is about overcoming obstacles and failures. And, and if you don't get knocked, I mean, if you get knocked down you get your ribs kicked in, your back pushed up against the wall, you feel like you should quit, but you decide, you decide to just not to quit. You decide to just do it. You decide to get back up and, and, and to go try to do something and achieve some kind of form of success, whatever that is to you. What's been your greatest uh, uh, challenges or, or even your greatest failures uh, that you feel like has been in your, your business career um, that you felt like you should have just quit and, and you wanted to quit. You almost did quit, but you didn't. I think, I don't know if this was a failure, but it was something that I worked at a very long time and it took a long time to achieve. Mm-hmm. And that was to be a, a wine supplier, which is a, a little bit different than a broker. I worked for a, an Italian import company, mm-hmm. but to get to that level took years and years and years. And so I worked at some wine wholesalers selling locally and then uh, after that, um, I, I worked a retail for a while. I, I worked at a old grocery store chain that used to be here in Georgia called Big Star. Okay. And at that time, I remember them. I, th- I think I remember them. 
Yeah. I don't know. They were all over with, uh, I don't know, about 15, 20 locations around Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got okay. bought by A&P. Right. But, you know, I did that kind of work and I kept applying to get supplier jobs and kept getting turned down. And it took five, six years where somebody looked at me and then it was finally, I was working at a distributor here and um, I, they took me into a meeting and said, well, Jim, we have good news and we have bad news. Yeah. Okay. You know, it's Friday, end of the week. And I was like, well, we're letting you go. Oh, no. Oh, okay. All right. Good news is we got a supplier that wants to talk to you. <laughs> and I got on with my first uh, Italian import company. Okay. And I was like, <clears throat> I didn't know whether to be happy. I didn't know whether to be sad. I was just like, I wasn't quite sure. It was a very awkward situation, but it turned out to be great. The company took me and a, a team of other people and they did what we call a death march. Okay. We hit 28 wineries in 21 days in Italy. Oh, wow. And, and no days off. It's, it's tough. And, it, and it's, you, you know, you get very little sympathy from people when you say, well, I tasted wine and ate food for 21 days. And by the way, I gained 15 pounds. <laughs> because you didn't have time to even go run. I mean, you just woke up in the morning, you went to the first winery, yeah. you know, you would, you know, drink a half a liter of wine and then they would have a meal and food and then you'd get on a bus and ride three hours, take a nap and go to another one. Right. Um, but here's the beauty of that. I got to taste Tuscan food and Tuscan wine. Right. I got to taste Sardinian food and Sardinian wine. I got to taste Sicilian food and Sicilian wine. That, that makes the picture so much clearer because it's so regional up there uh, in Italy that it was like, oh, well, now I know why they drink red wine in Sicily with fish. It's because those fish are very oily and rich. They're yeah. sardines, octopus. Uh, you know, they're not like a uh, little butter sauce fish, yeah, you yeah. know. So a red wine can handle that. Which I know goes against the law of, uh, you know, people say, you know, white wine with fish yeah. uh, or whatever. It's more about the seasoning than the actual meat. Now, steak is red wine. Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> it, it's a red wine. But fish, you think about it. Well, if you had a Cajun seasoning that was very spicy, you could drink a red wine with yeah. that fish. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and most people think of a cream or butter sauce. So I always say, or if it's barbecued, you know, some sort of barbecue flavor on the fish, then you would do a red wine or... Uh, so I always tell people, look at the sauce. Right. And then match your wine to the sauce. Uh, you know, unless it's like red meat or something. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So, so the employer must have been an okay employer to offer you a, an opening for, for, a, for another job. Mm -hmm. So he must have liked you somewhat. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I guess that was a, was that a shock to you? I, I mean, I guess it was a shock to you when he was letting you, letting you go, but then A, was that a shock to you because you thought you were doing so well? And then B, it sounds like it just opened up a whole love affair by the way you were just talking about food and wine pairing and traveling oh, yeah. in Italy and, and, and having that regional experience. Uh, is that the case? Absolutely. It was, it was because it was a, uh... It really, it, it's, and that's why I tried so hard to get that job. Mm -hmm. And one of the guys that worked for that company had ridden with me a couple months before and we had kind of hit it off. And then he asked permission of my employer at that right. time to talk to me. So they okay. kind of knew that they were going to, um, you know, talk to me. But it, it did raise the level of information that I learned mm -hmm. and of uh, knowledge with the wine and food 
And uh, it really, that that's getting to that supplier level. You really get deep into the information. When you're working with a distributor and you're selling here locally, you know, you're all around Atlanta and you're hitting the restaurants. Yeah. You usually have so many wines and, and liquors to sell or beers that you're kind of overwhelmed. You know, all I know is I got to sell, you know, 12 cases of Sam Adams today. Yeah. Or, you know, so they kind of get, you run with blinders. Uh, when you get to the supplier level, you really get to get in deep with the wine and understand that because you are, you will be the expert right. and you'll go in and you'll talk to these distributor sales teams and you have to explain everything <laughs> and you got to have all the answers. So you really have to be deep in your knowledge. That's incredible. So this, uh, this catapulted your career. How many years were, or if not even, how, how much time were you in that original job um, before you, you were opened up to this new endeavor? So I worked for a distributor for a number of years. Uh, and actually, you know, when I started when I was 18 mm-hmm. and going to University of Cincinnati during the night or during the day and working yeah. night shift. So, I mean, if you talk back there, I mean, I've been in this business, I'm almost frightened to say this. Let's see, this is 2019. So this will be, uh, wow, it'll be 45 years yeah, in yeah. October. Yeah. Uh, that I've been in this wine business. But wow. at the distributor level, uh, I would say about 20 years of that. Okay, okay. Um, so, so you, when did you start Stellar Selections? 2016. 2016. Okay, so was it, was it 20 years ago? If I, am, I, am I hearing this right? It was 20 years ago when you lost that original job and then it was starting to... Yes. Ch- okay, catapult I guess that'd be the, about yeah, right. Yeah, yeah so, somewhere around there. Okay, yeah. just trying to get an uh, idea of where, where, where you were. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so that was that like the the rebound and uh, rebuilding of of your new style of business, or was that something that was there something that took place in the middle of that that uh, um, catapulted and changed everything for you? Well, that I mean, when I went from uh, working from the distributor to the Italian wine import company, that was a big deal. But then you know it it kind of hit again when in 2015, then there was uh, you know. We came to mutual agreement that it was time to part ways after 10 years. Right. And so after that, we uh, went ahead and, uh, you know, I, I kind of had to rethink my life. Okay. So I, as I use a football analogy, I dropped 10 yards and punted. <laughs> oh, I took a couple months off and, you know, I applied for some jobs and came in second, you know, like, we like you, but whatever. And so I said, okay, well then, you know, I've always wanted to start my own business. Here's the opportunity. The door is open. Okay. Let's go. Okay. So uh, that's when I decided. So it's, that was my rebound. Okay. Because I wasn't quite sure, you know, do I want a supplier again? Do I want to go back to distributor level? No, I really want to have my own business. Right. And I've always wanted to have my own business. Okay. So this is, this is the door opening up for you. You got to dive in. Right, right. You enjoy having your own business versus working for somebody back uh, when you used to? Absolutely. And, and the reason I do is, I always tell people it's not headache free, right? But you get kind of choose your headaches. <laughs> you can choose how bad you want it to be, and you know if it's too bad, you can set it aside and right. uh, move on. Uh, where if you work for somebody, you know they hand you the pile of papers, go fix this. You know, um, well, they don't say a pile of papers anymore. They send you a pile of emails now, <laughs> right, 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 and say go fix this. Absolutely. Um, I agree. I agree. I, I, you know, I, uh, 
So we've talked about your 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 career. We've talked about your your um, the thing that has made you made you income for forty something years. Tell me about your family life. Um, I know uh, you've got what two kids? Two children. Yeah. Uh, how old are they? Now? A daughter. Uh, my daughter will be wow. Uh, this month will be twenty nine. Okay. And then my son is forty five. Okay. And uh, you're what, 60 years 62. old? 62. 62. Yeah. Uh, well, you're a young 62 by all means. I know you, <laughs> I know you like to play tennis. Uh, you, you're always playing tennis and you're trying to get more people to play tennis and, and, and teach them. Uh, yeah. Do you feel like that's keeping you young or uh, a little bit of activity? Uh, um, oh, yeah. You're still young at 62. Like you're the youngest 62 year old. <laughs> I know my, my, Thanks. you know, my dad, I'm, I love him, but He's 60 years old and he right. watches TV all day long. And he, well, it's, it's been his work. I mean, I'm not knocking my sure. dad, but uh, it's been his production work and his heavy lifting and all that stuff. Right. It's, it's made him a little bit older. Right. And uh, you, you're moving around, you're playing tennis, you're you're traveling all over the world, you're doing the jet set life thing and you're drinking wine and, you know, having good food. <laughs> and it's like, you know, people, at, you, know, you know, people that are in their 60s, I, I you, you right. probably have the dream life. It, it seems like uh, I mean, for what I'm seeing. Uh, is, do you feel like you have a a, a, a dream come true? Or, or it's it's a pretty good gig. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, and I think that you know playing tennis has helped a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I played tennis when I was like 12, and then I didn't touch a racket. And then you know, um, this is my second wife. Uh, I was divorced back in 1993. Which is another thing I'll rebound. I'll I'll tell you that story. Yeah, yeah please elaborate. Yeah. But um, you know, but playing tennis is uh, she got me on a mixed team, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it, it really does keep you moving. And the great thing about tennis is you can do it at all ages. Uh, yeah. I, I was taking lessons last night and trying to improve my game. Yeah. And uh, uh, there was a young uh, kid there who was probably you know six or seven years old. I was hitting with him. Oh yeah. Just you know so. I thought that, well, that's really beautiful. You know, yeah. some six-year-old kid is hitting with a 62-year-old guy just warming up. Yeah. Uh, you know, but that, that's the beauty of that sport. And it yeah. keeps you active and keeps you moving. So that's been good. So that's been really helpful and keep me. Uh, and my wife stays on my uh, butt about going to the gym too. So <laughs> You're probably getting a little more gym time than I am. I'm, yeah. I'm 37, you're 62, you're playing tennis. I can barely run right now. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's, well, that's great. Well, we'll uh, since you brought it up, tell me about yeah. your divorce. So uh, that was another thing I kind of rebound from, and I and I just kind of forgot about it. But it was uh, not that I've ever <laughs> forgotten about it uh, in our conversation. Right, right. So uh, let's see. I was working for the distributor at that time, and I was just about to roll into my my super career supplier job. Okay, serving the southeast, selling. We had about eighty Italian wineries we represented, and uh, I had a two-year-old daughter and uh, we got divorced and uh, you know the it was uh, very very hard that was probably the hardest thing I went through uh, and, and the, the loser in a divorce are children when they're children involved right. they're just the two of you you can say see you later have a great life I'm out right but when you have kids you still see them every other weekend. So that means you see your ex-wife uh, yeah. every other weekend. And then when they find another uh, mate or, or yeah. person, that's probably hard on you too. I'm sure even after right. a divorce, right? I mean, right, because you know, when, you, when you're married, you, as you know, you're married with kids, you're all in. Yeah. You know, you're devout to this person. This is, you know, and uh, that ended. So uh, 
you know, I had, and I remember selling my house. We had a house in Lawrenceville. And uh, I remember walking out of the meeting. It, we divided everything 50-50. I think it was a newer house. So we didn't have much equity in it. I right. think I walked out with like 1500 bucks. Oh, wow. And I had to restart my life. And I remember paying all of my, like, you get, I had to get an apartment. So mm-hmm. I had to pay all my deposits on the yeah. apartment, utilities. There wasn't much left. Right. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I started, you know, close to zero. And I remember saving money and I would put away 10% of whatever I made till I got to 200 bucks where I could start a savings account. Yeah. It was that, it was that low down. Yeah, it's like you just Plus had, I had to pay child support. Oh, it's brutal. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How old was your uh, son uh, in this experience? Uh, well, my son was up in Cincinnati at that point. Okay. So yeah, yeah he yeah. lives in Cincinnati. Okay. And then my daughter was down here in Atlanta. Oh, okay. Okay. So your son was already on his own at right. this point. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine that. Yeah. It's, it's got to be tough. I mean, you started zero. Yeah. Oh. It's just zero. And you're there and you're in a one bedroom apartment where you used to have a house and a yard yeah. and a kid and that all gets taken away. And you're like, wow. Um, yeah. You know, so, um, but that's, you know what? And, and this is what we were talking about. It's about rebounding right. off of right. that. Uh, my daughter has a great analogy. She um, uh, teaches color guard and Teaches, you know, they they at football game halftime they have competitions. They throw the the rifles and yeah. the swords in the air, and so I've I've gone to competitions with her, and I said, well, what happens when they drop the sword or drop the 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 weapon? Yeah. She goes, you know what? They don't get they don't get that point taken away. It's how they recover from it. Right. I thought, well, that was great words to live by. Absolutely. It's not how you, everyone's going to fumble. Yeah. And and even the most successful people and the most successful companies, it's a roller coaster ride. Yeah. I mean, Coca Cola did the new Coke and they <laughs> dive bomb. I mean, they did, and they came back. You yeah. know, and everyone. And you know, I told this to my son. I think um, recently that I said, you know, it, that in in life and in being successful, it's not a straight line up right. for anybody. I don't care who you are. Anybody, you're if you're an athlete, a rock star, it's Peaks and valleys. Yeah. So you got to learn how to ride the valleys and come back to the peaks. Absolutely. I, th- I think the, that's the problem with social media when you're watching an entrepreneur or a celebrity or something like that and you actually see them posting the positive highlights of their lives. And it makes the person that is not cognitive, that doesn't slow down to, to be aware that it is the only, it is only the highlights of their life. Mm-hmm. So that positivity, that, that, traveling, that this and that, they only see the, the glory, but they don't see the behind the scenes, the, the story. They don't see anything like that. And, and, right. and that, that brings on challenge. And, and they don't realize that those people, even the celebrities, uh, you know, anybody with a big name, those are the guys that are going through some of the stuff. They don't, maybe they don't know how to deal with the, the, uh, the social pressure or, um, you know, the fan base or whatever. And, and, and these guys, they, they don't know how to deal with the exposure. And, and then in a serial entrepreneur, maybe you got too much debt going on out there and you're trying to you know, give a positive image for your company and mm-hmm. uh, you're getting attacked financially and you know, there's all this boilerplate pressure. And uh, they, these young people um, specifically, because I have a lot of people reaching out to me, they're like, man, they just, they love my stories. Uh, you know, when mm-hmm. I'm posting on social media and things like that, I'm like, yeah, but if you've seen what I've went through, sure, you, it would it would change you. Uh, you know, if you understood that it was a roller coaster, it's like a stock market. It goes up, it goes down. It goes up, it goes down. 
uh, getting getting a little bit older, uh, almost forty, I feel like I'm I'm you know destabilizing my emotional state mm-hmm. a little bit instead of being an emotional roller coaster. I'm kind of like smooth selling now and kind of dealing with my emotions right. a little bit a little bit more reserved and, and not trying to go crazy uh, when, when something hits me. But so with that said, what would you what what advice would you give a thirty seven year old like me coming from um, you know, you at a 62-year-old, what would you give your, what would you tell yourself at 37 years old, you know, if you were living in the world of today's time in 2019? I think that you, you kind of hit it on the head there earlier that as, as you get older, yeah. you learn to ride the waves and right. you learn to, you know, something's going to mess up further ahead. Right. But you know, but you have the confidence to, that I can ride this out. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. And I think that's, if you can run with that confidence that it'll be okay, and you do the right things. I mean, you don't do anything stupid, but do the things to the best of your ability. Right. You'll be okay. <laughs> you know, it'll, it will work out. Yeah. When, when you lost your job, did you panic uh, going way back oh. when, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you know, and, and it's never hard for, easy for an employer to do that, you know, but... We all have those moments where the rug is pulled out from under you and you're yeah. laying flat in the floor looking at the ceiling. Yeah. Now what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> it's well, that punch in the gut moment. Yeah, and the same thing with your divorce, probably the same feeling. Yeah. Probably a lot worse. But yeah, you know, but yeah, you have to pause and take a inner look deep into yourself. Uh, do you feel like you became um, you know, you know, we're living in the days times where it's just so much social enterprise, so much this and that. I'm like I'm getting I'm getting a little exhausted on seeing people, and I'm I'm doing it myself. I'm posting all out there like sure. crazy, and I'm trying to you know gain followers and business. But at the same time, it's like it is pressuring to you know that to me that people don't understand that there's no get rich quick schemes. There's no none of that stuff out there. That you actually have to go out there and work and 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 do some things, and then right like you said, the rug can still be pulled out from under you. Maybe you might hit divorce. Maybe you might lose your job. Maybe your business goes under. Maybe you go bankrupt. Right. It's it's the story of the like you had said the the rebound. It's the story of the rebound and then rebuilding that that I think people need to hear more. These kind of stories that we're talking about today uh, of your whole career over forty years, mm-hmm. uh, you're still here. I mean, yeah, you're, still you're just sitting right here in front of me. You're talking about it, yeah. and, and you're you're pretty happy. Yeah, and and you know, life's going well. I've got uh, a lovely wife who's also in the wine business. Yeah, and that creates a lot of opportunities. And actually, by having my own business, I'm av- I'm able to travel with her sometimes, yeah. and uh, you know, work off my you know laptop and yeah. uh, and and see part of her world too. Where if I'm working for somebody, that's not as easy to do, obviously. Yeah. So yeah, you you have the confidence to carry on when times get tough. Times will get tough, and no doubt, happens yeah. to everybody. But just ride it out, yeah. do the right things. You'll be okay. Absolutely. Well, uh, talking about your wife, how long have you and uh, Sue been married? Sue and I have been married fourteen years. That's incredible. Yeah, That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a super sweet lady. I uh, appreciate all the wine you guys have gifted me over the last <laughs> few years. Uh, you know, I've drank that with pleasure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Learned, learned some things from you. I think we've already answered some of this, uh, but but what do you feel like has been your greatest failure? I think you might have already said this, but I want to be precise for 
the sure. audience, and then uh, whatever that answer is, even if you already recited it, mm-hmm. why do you feel like that was your greatest failure? Wow. So when you say failure, you know, you think of something that it's something that was a lacking on your part. Right. Um, it's not to be a judgmental question. Sure, it's just sure, to be sure. like, it's trying to help people like oh, yeah. understand that yeah. it's okay to fail because multiple failures will you know, eventually right. bring you success. Because I, I just think that uh, probably my divorce was the biggest hit. Yeah. And uh, that was just uh, because it, I think the reason it was so difficult. I mean, getting laid off or getting fired is tough. Right. But divorce hits you on many levels. Yeah. Emotional, physical, financially. Uh, it, it's just like, it's, it's the triple punch. Right. Uh, so I think that was probably the hardest thing to come back from. Yeah. I mean, work comes and goes, yeah. uh, you know, and it's, it's devastating for the day or two or maybe a month or two, but then you figure it out and you move on. Mm-hmm. But the, I think that was probably the most devastating comeback right. uh, that, yeah. that I had to deal with. Exactly. Um, well, uh, so let's switch gears. What do you feel sure. like has been your greatest um, success? Oh, um, wow. <laughs> I can, th- I can, th- yeah, I can think of a, a couple things. Tell me five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, the, I would say the first thing that comes to mind are, are my son and my daughter, mm-hmm. who both turned out to be great people. And I'm just proud of them. Like, you can't believe. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, meeting Susan, my wife, yeah. another amazing thing. And I, and I know this all seems very cliche, but it's just very true. Yeah. Uh, she's really made me a better person. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, I think uh, starting my own company, that was, that was a big deal. Yeah. That, that uh, you know, there's, uh, and you've had these moments, you're an entrepreneur where you're, uh, um, it's it's kind of like stepping out on a limb on a tree and the limb's getting thinner and thinner and you get a little bit more nervous and then you kind of are like a diving board and then you yeah. jump off and you're in the pool. Yeah. You know, it's 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 nerve-wracking, but the rewards are there if you're willing to take a risk, if you're willing to dive off the board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so I would say that those are probably my greatest things that I'm... Uh, okay. Well, yeah, yeah. That, dude, that, that was, dude, that was just so much tremendous value there. I, I, I thank you for being so vulnerable um, through all of this question, this Q&A and stuff like that. And hopefully I didn't feel like, you didn't feel like I was interrogating you, but um, yeah. man, you, you've given me, you know, like just tremendous value and, and, and I appreciate all the wisdom you've purveyed off onto me and as well as the audience. But, uh, you know, I've got a fun fact I found out about you. Um, I listened to my buddy's uh, podcast where Rob uh, interviewed yeah. you. you. Shout the, out to Rob. Yeah, Rob Bergetroyd. Yeah. yeah, you were the former panelist and, and judge for a wine report. So why don't you tell me about that experience? I'll give you a little story about that one. Yeah. So there was a uh, publication here in Atlanta called, uh, uh, it was called Wine South. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was a panelist on a, uh, an editorial board. What they would do is they would come in and bring different wines and we would judge them. Mm-hmm. And they would have a panel of about six to eight people. And would, they were very smart about it. They uh, would mix it with men and women. Mm-hmm. Women have better palates than men. It's just a fact. They're wired better. They right. smell better. They, they can pick up more aromas. They can right. pick up more flavors. I mean, how many times have you had gone to your wife, does this milk smell so sour, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They can just pick up, they have more stuff going on. Right. <laughs> um, 
So, and we would mix it up with people who were in the trade, who weren't in the trade, uh, in the wine trade. And um, so we get a mix of palates. So what they would do is they would taste the wine blind. So uh, what that means is this, they would come in and we would, you would see uh, four bottles of wine in brown bags. Mm-hmm. And then we would say, okay, today we're going to taste uh, Napa Chardonnays. And that's all you know. Mm-hmm. And then you would taste them and you would, you would judge the color. You would write down, uh, I smell this. I taste this. I see that. And then at the end, they would say, okay, you would say wine number one, number two, number three, number four. Yeah. Wine number four, the suggested retail is $14. Is it worth it? You would put yes, no. Second one, the retail is $22. And yeah. they tell you this at the end, so you don't prejudge what you've just tasted. If they told you it was $100, you're like, oh, well, this must be amazing. Yeah. So they would do that and you would, uh, and then at the end, they would reveal what it was. They tear it open. Right. Surprising some things you would do. So here's my, my short story. At the end, we would throw in a wild card. Yeah. And uh, they would bring out one bottle, brown bag it, and pour everyone a glass and say, what is it? So there was, it was a red wine. I taste it and somebody says, you know, no, it's not Beaujolais. It's not Pinot Noir. It's not Cabernet. You know, I don't know. So I said, okay, I'm going to just throw a wild dart out here. Yeah. This is Mexican Barbera. Their jaws hit the floor. (laughs) And the only reason I knew or I guessed what it was and guessed it correctly. I had been to Mexico on a on a wine trip and sat with a uh, Italian winemaker, a very famous one, and we tasted some Baja Mexican Barbera. Oh man! <laughs> I mean, it was a total luck yeah. through the dart and it hit. You know, <laughs> yeah. but that was my amazing moment where they jaws at the floor and like, how does this guy know it was? You know, Mexican Baja Barbera. <laughs> <laughs> they they were looking at you like you're Yoda, like you're yeah. the Jedi Master. They're like jaws drop. I can envision that jaw jaws dropping. They're like, teach me the ways, Jim. <laughs> total total luck there. I want to tell you it was skill. But... That was awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Um, let's just go through uh, three or four random questions just okay. to kind of wrap up the show. Good or bad? What makes you tick? What makes me tick? What excites me? is learning something new mm-hmm. that, and a lot of times it's, it's, it's with wine or food, I would say is probably those are my biggest, you know, having an exciting dish or having an exciting glass of wine, discovering something I didn't know right? and, and learning from that. Okay, okay. What's something negative that ticks you off? Negative <laughs> that ticks me off would be um, some of, this is going to sound weird, but some people are, People that talk too much, like people that never stop talking. Right. Or, you know, it, you know, if you're, especially if like you're on a plane and the, the guy on the phone or, you know, something like that, <laughs> this, this annoys the hell out of me. Oh, you ever seen the uh, um, Seinfeld episode where the close talker, I think it was Judge <laughs> Reinhold, he comes up to him, comes up to them and he's just like right there in his face and he just won't yeah. shut up. He's talking and he's like right there in his face. That's what that reminded me of. Yeah. Um, What's your favorite uh, movie or, or documentary? Oh, well, I think the best movie of all time is Casablanca. Yeah. Oh, I, I think that, that that is one of the most well-written and for a movie that wasn't supposed to be a hit, you know, yeah. just the plot line and everything. And yeah. I just love 
that movie. Yeah. Is there is there any favorite documentaries that you love? My favorite documentary is from long ago, and I need to find it up again. It's called Cosmos. It's by Carl Sagan, and it was on PBS. Yeah. And it was how he explained the universe, <laughs> and it was amazing. And I've I've heard a lot of uh, good things about that. I haven't seen it yet, but I've yeah. I need to I need to try to find that myself. I would I would definitely be interested in that. Um, uh, last question: What's your favorite hobby outside of tennis or drinking wine or eating food? Wow. Knock those three out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's a backup hobby? Outside of tennis, food, or wine. Wow. <laughs> Trick question. Yeah, I know. It, it didn't leave me much there. Fun thing I enjoy watching is hockey. Hockey? Ice hockey. I played a little ice hockey up in Ohio. Wow. And uh, I enjoy watching hockey and, and soccer. Actually, I played, I got all the way to semi-pro wow. in Ohio when I was younger. Yeah. And I, so I coached, I refereed, and I played. Uh, uh, and then, then we couldn't make soccer. Now it's like the biggest freaking thing. And I still haven't seen the Atlanta team yet. And oh, I'm dying man. to see uh, Martinez. Dude, uh, it's, it's so fun to watch it. I mean, we, yeah. uh, they, they won uh, the, the cup. Uh, yeah, the cup, yeah. whatever they call it here. Um, they won the cup last year. And man, it, it, it's so fun to watch it live. It's the best oh, yeah. sporting event I've ever been, uh, you know, been to in my life. And, uh, crowd gets rowdy. It's it's yeah. it's it's live. It's the best live entertainment uh, outside of maybe a concert or so. Undoubtedly, um, yeah. So, well, where can people find you, Jim? Like uh, social media wise, or if you want to share that or don't share well, that. Yeah, I mean, man, I'm on. Uh, I have stellarselection.com, yeah. and I've got an Instagram and a Twitter. Yeah, uh, and uh, I actually have a Facebook for that too. So excellent. Yeah, you can find me on all four of those uh, social media. Yeah, yeah. So if anybody wants to create a winery uh, and if your product is really, really good, Jim may rep you <laughs> <laughs> or broker for you. There you all go. Right. Well, thank you, Jim, so much for coming out here for this uh, uh, recording. And uh, anywho, have a great day. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Rise Above the Ashes, the podcast. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at riseabovetheashes.com.